Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked slash streaming service and chill. And today, my guest Jason Shavaria and I will be breaking down the 2001 film Frailty. Now, before we get into Frailty, let's talk a little bit about Jason. Jason is a father, husband, youth minister, and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. Kind of said husband weird there. However, he is a jiu-jitsu coach as well, and he is a previous guest of the podcast. And on this episode, we discuss frailty. According to Wikipedia, Frailty is a 2001 American psychological horror film directed by and starring the late, great Bill Paxton and co-starring Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth. It marks Paxton's directorial debut and the plot focuses on the strange relationship between two young boys and their fanatically religious father who believes that he has been commanded by God to kill demons disguised as people. I had Jason on because he is a youth minister, because he is very well versed in biblical stories. Perhaps he could provide some historical and biblical context for this film. And Jason does not disappoint. He is a wealth of knowledge on all things he is a wealth of knowledge on. Other than that, he's, you know, I mean, I don't think he's going to put a man on Mars. But I think that if you need to go to someone about spiritual counseling, he is a guy you can go to. If you have questions, he is the dude. He is the dude I go to when I have questions about anything related to Christianity. So, ladies, gents, others, um, as always, the links are in the description. So, I mean, you're going to have to go to the description to see all of the things we talk about. But we touch on a lot of these things. <sighs> So, ladies, gents, others, without any further ado, here is Jason Chavaria and Frailty on some streaming service and chill. Are they? I believe so. You know, the best Christian rap group I ever listened to was the Tunnel Rats. Never heard of him. <laughs> you heard of me? <laughs> yeah. No, they're they're pretty good. They're they're actually really good. Yeah. Good. They're so good that nobody they're so far underground nobody heard of them. Well, because yeah. they're animal rats. Yeah. Oh, exactly. If, yeah. if they wanted to be seen, they'd be seen. They'd be the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Monkeys wanted to be seen, sir. Oh, definitely. Otherwise they wouldn't have had that yeah. TV show. I love that TV show. A lot of people did. They kept it around for a while. That was the best part of my day as a child because I stayed with my tia and she watched novellas all day. And have you ever, you've ever watched novellas? Like yeah. Spanish soap operas? Yes. There was a, there was a young girl. Um, she wasn't a young girl. She was, a, she was my age. Um, when I was college age, her name is Yannette, uh, and Yannette was really, really pretty, so I'd watch anything that she wanted to watch. And so when she wanted to watch <laughs> novellas, I would watch novellas, which were, uh, uh, um, for folks who've never seen novellas, would you like to break them down real quick? Was it, well, as I'll tell you, as a child, the music was terrifying to me. And I'm talking about like I was four years old. 
And so my tia, she was obsessed with them, and they're on, you know, Telemundo and Univision, and they're soap operas. And it's just this constant battle of everybody sleeping with each other and and this dramatic organ music playing in the background. Not like human organ, but like, a, you know, a pipe organ. Like, like Phantom of the Opera. And I was terrified. You're bringing up I was terrified organ. as a child. <laughs> um, they were also like really overactive. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, like everything was the end of the world and everyone treated Oh, of course. Everyone. Well, they were, they were Latin. <laughs> so, so my best friend, uh, Hernan, who goes by the name uh, Rio Chavarro, he, uh, he wrote novellas for a, quite a little while there. He's, he's a cool guy. I don't doubt that. Like, you got to have a sense of humor to to do that sort of work. Like, because it is, yeah. it's almost like professional wrestling. The people that are really into it are really into it. And there He wasn't really into it, but he he did it for side cash. Uh, he's, he got kicked out of Juilliard. And he's the only, like, Charlie Chaplin, like, with a certificate or something. I don't know. He's... <laughs> He used to work at Universal Studios as Charlie Chaplin. Cool guy. And when he's not Charlie Chaplin, he's writing novellas for Telemundo. Uh, you know, I hope he's not doing that no more, man. I love him. I was partial to, like, the Latin game shows, like TV show hosts in uh, <laughs> Telemundo. Gigante. I, uh, yeah, I, I showed it to you. In Gerwood, at the bakery. Yes. Do you yeah. remember that? Yes. Okay, that was fun. Um, there was a there was a, a game show host in I believe it was Colombia, and he was uh, he was an elected member of um, uh, uh, he was an elected official, right? He's sort of like a Peter Machicki kind of guy, um, but he was also a TV show host where they would go out and, like, they would show up on scene right after cops killed drug dealers, but it turns out, like, they were working with the police to kill drug dealers. Wow. Netflix documentary. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you go to Prime to watch what you didn't get in Netflix? Yeah, uh, and which leads us to the movie that we're discussing today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that right. film. Uh, and here's the Wikipedia breakdown. Uh, Frailty is a 2001 American psychological horror film directed and starring, uh, directed by and starring Bill Paxton, co-starring Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth. It marks Paxton's directorial debut. The plot focuses on the strange relationship between two young boys and their frantically religious father, who believes that he has been commanded by God to kill demons disguised as people. So I asked you to watch this movie, and I, and I really wanted to get your input because you are a man of the Lord. You are a man of faith. You, I, I, I hang out with you to learn Bible stories. Um, is there any kind of religious precedent? Is, is there a biblical precedent for this sort of thing to happen? 
Um, no, talking about, um, hold on, my, your internet connection is unstable. The, oh, it went away. Never. If you're seeing that on your side, that means that, that someone that you love very much is trying to use the Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, yeah, throughout the Bible, it talks about, from the very beginning, um, uh, a spirit being on earth deceiving Adam and Eve, you know, and then, um, and then on through the ages, um, there's one that talks about the sons of God coming down and sleeping with the, the, the daughters of men and having the Nephilim. I'm sure you've heard of that. Please explain. And they end up becoming giants. Okay. The Nephilim were like the giants. No. And they were big human beings. Is that what the be, they were like half demon, half human? Um, they, that's what they say that he's a descendant of the Nephilim, and he Goliath had five brothers. Uh, well, yeah, four brothers. There was David picked up five smooth stones to kill five giants, and. Uh, but he just killed one giant that day. But he, David also ran with a pretty bad group of uh, dudes, um, David and his mighty men. And these were guys that, um, the stories about them, these men were not like men today. These guys were legit warriors, man. Nothing like today. They, you know, um, one story is of uh, one of his men killing a, a lion in a pit on a snowy day with his bare hands. Yeah, so it's like uh, these guys were, they're, yeah, they're like Hercules type level characters, right? But they're regular men. They're just called mighty men. And then, uh, but throughout the Bible, you hear stories of people having demons in them, demonic spirits in them. And these are spirits that were rejected the plan of God in heaven and followed uh, Lucifer as he fell from heaven and thought he had a better plan. He said in his heart, he thought in his heart that he could be like the most high and he fell like lightning from the sky. So like a lot of symbolism of Lucifer is a lightning bolt. And, uh, and, and so these, these entities can and do enter people's bodies. Yeah, good. All right. So Frailty is a 2001 American psychological horror film directed by and starring Bill Paxton and co-starring Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth. It marks Paxton's directorial debut. The plot focuses on the strange relationship between two young boys and their fanatically religious father who believes he has been commanded by God to kill demons disguised as people. Now, for those of you who've never listened to the podcast before or have listened to the podcast in the past, um, you may or may not be familiar with uh, Coach Jason. Jason is also a youth minister. And so he is my person I talk to when I'm trying to get up on 
well, biblical stuff. And this movie resonated with me. It was a fun, a fun movie to listen to or to watch, but it seemed like there were a lot of things going on. So brought Jason on to sort of answer those questions and pet a dog lion. Um, so Jason, let's just kind of go back um, to that very last sentence in the Wikipedia breakdown. Okay. Um, the father believes he has been commanded by God to kill demons disguised as people. What is the, the historical biblical precedent for uh, this sort of thing? Um, okay. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's some things going on there. Um, first of all, there's, there's a guy that receives this vision and um, and he receives a vision through a trophy in the movie, and it's an angel on the trophy. But then it gives him it kind of it kind of doesn't go into what it says. But he re, he's receiving something that's being thank you, son, that's being downloaded to him. Um, uh, and he's he's like getting a calling, if you will, of what he's his purpose is on this earth. And, uh, and his purpose is to destroy, this is the word they use, destroy demons. And he, but he's doing it in a physical sense, right? He's de destroying a physical being. But a demon is not a physical being. Um, but as far as I know, as like demons embodied in humans, I, I, I spoke a little bit earlier, it was... There, there's a story in Genesis talking about the sons of God coming down and and um, laying with the daughters of men, and they form these giants, um, the Nephilim, and uh, and then uh, these 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 large people or these these empowered beings become rulers and. And one of them is, uh, I think, is Nimrod, who develops a kingdom called Babylon, which ultimately is destroyed by God, which is a great story in itself. And, and God says they're becoming like us. If there's nothing they won't be able to do when they put their mind to it. Um, or they, they, you know, so right there, God talks in the three person, the Trinity, which is something that happens real cool. It happens several times in the Bible, and then, uh, but he he uh, he he splits up the the tongues or the the languages of people, and he takes them from being one language and of one mind and of one purpose, and he splits them up, and then they they're scattered all over the earth, and uh, and he destroys this this first. Babylonian kingdom that is a rise against God's purpose, and then, but in the and and then also in the Bible, there's stories of demons being in people's bodies, mostly in the New Testament, but they are in the Old Testament as well. Um, and then, but but as far as me being a Christian, knowing the Bible teaches that we don't wrestle against, we don't fight against flesh and blood in these matters. We it's a it's a spiritual fight. So we we don't the and Ephesians chapter six, I think verse eighteen says, 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and darkness, against um, wickedness and high places. And these are all specific things that refer to different levels of, of, of demonic um, attacks and demonic strongholds. And, they, and, then, and then Paul that, that wrote to the Ephesians tells us how we battle against them, and that's by putting on the armor of the Lord. And the armor of the Lord, is, in, in a nutshell, is pretty much putting on the, the Lord Jesus. But this guy, this character uh, in the movie... He uh, he feels a calling to destroy these beings physically, and and uh, and honestly, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was cool. I thought it was a great story. But uh, and I have a really close friend that um, that he has a funny saying that him and I are very similar. He has a funny saying when it comes to the um, manifestation of demons. He says when ma demons manifest themselves physically and attack you physically he goes that gives you the right to attack them physically now he's a martial artist like myself and uh and he's he's been through a demonic deliverance just like as i have so he's experienced both sides of the coin of 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 uh of being serving satan or or and now serving god and yeah so i guess if a demon is attacking you or anybody's attacking you you know, you you can turn the other cheek, or you can um, defend yourself. You know, Jesus said, "Turn the only turn the other cheek." But how many times are you gonna turn the cheek? You know. Um, Question. Yep. Yeah. Demonic deliverance. What do you mean? And, and is that something you can speak on? Yeah, man, I love to talk about this because I can only talk about what God's done for me. You know what I mean? Um. I can only, I can't, I can't, I can tell people what's wrong with them and, 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 and tell them, you know, they're going the wrong way and this leads to a, a rough life, you know, of whatever it is that they're dealing with that, that has them in a stronghold. So that's a key word, stronghold. And, and whatever is um, teaching them how to live. So there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into that, Bill. Um, all right. So, so each one, have you ever heard, heard of the book called the screw tape letters? Oh, no, only DJ screw is the only screw tape I know. Okay. So this is, um, <laughs> this is, uh, a book written by C.S. Lewis and you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, right? Yes. Okay. C.S. Lewis. I mean, he's mostly known for. For his uh, children's books, like um, the Lion, Alice the Witch, in Wonderland, and the right? Huh? Alice in Wonderland. Is that C.S. Lewis? No, 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 no. It's 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 in, it's in that genre. But the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, like fantasy type uh -huh. stuff. That's what he's known for. But there's some really cool. He's real like um, he uses a lot of imagery and a lot of like uh, metaphors and stuff. Just like the Bible is written a lot of different ways, but um, he uh, he wrote a book. It was called the Screw Tape Letters, and it's about this this demon who's writing letters to his uh, nephew. I think that's a demon also, and and he's he's giving this his nephew an assignment, 
Um, if you're taking notes, you want to write down this word too. Assignment, just like I said, stronghold and stronghold. And I'll get into those what those mean. But this this demon who's an uncle, he's like a general, like in the military. Like he would be like a high-ranking uh, demon that gives an assignment to a lower-ranking demon. And so they give these assignments to each human that's born and uh, or conceived. I wouldn't even say born. I would say conceived because Christians believe that um, life begins at conception, which it pretty much does. That's when the spark enters the, the womb. And so, uh, so once that happens, they send an assignment to try to destroy that being and keep it from fulfilling its purpose. So we as, we as believers, we, we hold tightly to a scripture called from Jeremiah 1.5. And it's like, I, behold, I, I know I have good plans for you, plans for success and all this stuff. I formed you in your mother's womb. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that God has a plan for everybody. And that plan and that purpose is to destroy the works of the devil. Um, and so, uh, so I had a, an assignment that was put on me when I was young. And, uh, and, and there's like, um, it's kind of like a calling, if you will, that was passed down to me from, from my family. And it was like, uh, if you were to put like a, a cloak or a robe or a mantle if you will, and it's and it's passed down to me, and it was a demonic mantle that was passed down to me, and it was a, a the mantle of of rage, pretty much, and and when that will will attach itself to you in a moment of trauma. So in that moment of trauma is usually where a a person will either turn to God or they'll turn to evil which is, say, Lucifer, right? And, um, and so, so I had these moments throughout my life that were re repeated throughout my life, the same things, these same moments to where I would um, give into this a thing that was attached to me, and, and it, would, it, it would teach me how to surrender to rage. And... Uh, it, ever since I was a young child, and I would black out, and and I would I would go crazy, and um, and I'd either end up in the emergency room, like you know, on on uh, with getting shots of of epinephrine or ephedrine, and uh, to keep my heart rate going because I was losing my my breathing, and and uh, and I black out. Or I'd end up in in, uh, in a police station, in a holding cell, or I'd wake up in bed. Um, occasionally, I'd just wake up somewhere on the street or under a bush or somewhere, and I didn't know what happened. And uh, and so I I I um for that to take over, I had to surrender to it. And I and and me as a person, I'm not an I don't like hurting people. I know it sounds funny being a martial artist, right? But honestly, I don't, I don't like going, I don't like hurting people. When I do jujitsu, I don't go 100%. I don't even go 20%, man. I, I try to have as much fun as possible and make, make uh, learning jujitsu as fun as possible for people. 
and and that they can have complete control in a in a in a frantic situation and be calm, you know. And and I hated the idea. I think that was one of the main things that that attracted me to jiu-jitsu was is that I could remain calm and in control while fighting. And uh, but prior prior to my deliverance, man, um, I could not. I, something would happen to me, man, and I'd give into this thing, and I'd let it take over me. And um, but God led me to my deliverance, and uh, it was pretty unique. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk more on that deliverance. Um, well, well, we can get into that another time, unless unless it's pertinent to the film, and you and uh, your children are running around and um, killing bad people. Well, here's the thing. It, it had, that movie had, is, is it, that was Hollywood, man. That was, that was a Hollywood movie. That was like for fun. If, I mean, if you would say, if, you know, I know it sounds hypocritical, and, and, but it's a movie and it's for entertainment is what I mean. Um, uh, oh yeah, no, I look, Thurman, Texas isn't to be found. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. Thurman Rose Garden. That film was shot in California. Oh, for sure. For sure. And him saying he just drove down to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, so he would be on I-10 driving across to Jacksonville. And it wouldn't just be like a little overnight drive. That's cool. He has to go through Alabama and then through the Panhandle and then to get to Jacksonville. That's a long drive, man. Yeah, I've done that drive from from uh, Tallahassee to Fort Worth. Yeah, it's not yeah. a quick drive. Not a quick drive. So that that the facts are false. <laughs> no, it was it was an entertaining movie, man. Uh, yeah, I, I you just don't go around destroying demons with um, you don't put fire out with fire. You know what I mean? You you uh. But but um, I, I totally felt every bit of that movie, what what that guy was going through, when you know, um, and it's weird because as I was watching to watching it, it really wasn't no twist at the end for me. I kind of felt like where it was going, um, and 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 I felt so bad for the man too, the dad. I know that sounds crazy because in the movie you think he's just a serial killer, you know. Yeah. And then, but I I had a feeling it was gonna he was really experiencing something. The little boy was really experiencing something, and the victim was experiencing something when he would take the glove off and he would put his hand on them, and that thing would manifest itself in the room, you know. Um, is my oh hold on target for it does dogs dogs dags yeah but when when he's like we just gotta do it son and you you know me you could probably hear me talking to my son that way right this is what we gotta do okay dad <laughs> so as far as the relationship uh, between the two sons, like I didn't get the impression 
that the little boy actually saw what his dad was seeing. I got the impression that he was going along with his dad because he loved his dad. Um, oh, okay. So there were, there were the two boys, one uh, who thought dad was crazy, and the other one I really thought just loved his dad and was going along with his dad because he wanted to, to protect his father. Um, yeah. The the father played by Bill Paxton um, had some moments that were just um, that were just stellar when he said, you know, I've I've never killed a man, I've never killed a man, I've only killed oh, yeah. demons, and then the struggle, the internal struggle he deals with when he hurts someone who he deems as innocent. It's like I, I you know, I killed a man. Mm-hmm. That yeah. man didn't deserve to die. Um, yeah. You know, in the end, um, in the end, you see it. Like, in the end, you see what's what, and, and you kind of, there is that twist. Um, but do you know of any any stories from the Bible where that's been a generational thing, like the father or the son continues the father's mission? Um, you know, that's it's that's awesome because, like, uh, there's there's so many stories where the sons did not live the holy holy life that their dad did live. You know what I mean? But one does come to mind. So usually, so here's what, when you think of the characters in the Bible, you know how we, uh, just like, because when you watch a movie or a comic movie or, uh, or any, any story, you identify with certain characters and yeah. you, you see yourself in that character or something you want to aspire to. So the characters in the Bible, um, you don't you don't want to necessarily identify with their successes. You want to identify with their faults because that's where they're supposed to turn to God. Because their successes are usually done by the power of God through them. It's not the person themselves. It's God gets the glory, not them. But sometimes these people, usually, most of the time actually, these people get big heads. And they think it's them doing their these great works, and then pride and ego in, enters in, and then they fall into sin. So, like we take King David for instance, and he's he's usually a go-to character in the Bible. Um, he slays Goliath. He wins all these insane battles. He's a man's man. He's also a sensitive man. He writes poetry. He plays music. He loves taking care of widows and the innocent. Um, he's, he, uh, but then there, there comes a time where he's king for a good while, and there's a moment where all the kings were going to war, but David stayed home. And when he stayed home, he walked out on his roof, and he saw a woman that was super hot, Bathsheba, and, and she was taking a bath, and he was lusting after her. And he, and he sent people to bring her to his room. He had sex with her. She got pregnant. She comes to him and tells him, I'm pregnant. And, uh, and he's like, well, bring your husband home from war. And so her husband comes home from war, and David tries to get him drunk and tries to get him to sleep with his wife. But they're at war. And so the husband sleeps outside the door because he says, if my men are not with their wives, why should I be? So he's this high integrity, high character, 
individual and the king has committed adultery with his wife and he can't get him to sleep with his wife. He tries to get him drunk. It doesn't work. And then um, so what he ultimately does is he sends this man to the front of the line for battle and and then tells the commander to have everybody charge and then pull back so this man is is killed in battle. So David murders this guy with his commands, and it doesn't look like it's a murder, but but the Lord knows it, and he sends a prophet to him. And the prophet tells him, you know, a parable, a story of of a man taking something from another, a poor man, you know, um, a, but like sheep. The guy has one sheep, and this other, the neighbor has like thousands of sheep, and the, and the rich and the rich guy wants the one sheep, and he takes it from the man, and then he and and then the man like is very sad and dies or whatever, and then. Um, and the prophet's name is Nathan, and and, Dave, and Nathan says, what would you do to that man that took that one sheep? He says, he must die. And then the prophet's like, you're the man, David. And so <laughs> so David, David falls to his knees, and he's convicted, and he's guilty, and he feels sad, and he's lamenting, and, and it cuts him to the heart. These are the moments where we should identify with these characters in the Bible, you know? And so, but David had a son named Solomon that, that, that was a great son that he had to Bathsheba, the wife of, I think the guy's name was Boaz. And, and, uh, but they had another son, the one that he got her pregnant with, and the Lord took that baby, took that child, and, 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 he, and that infant died. And then um, and he, he, um, David uh, mourned that child. And then, uh, and then the Lord gave him another child, and he gave him Solomon. And Solomon was an interesting guy because Solomon was the one who built Solomon's temple. Um, Solomon was the one who the queen uh, Sheba came to him and said that, um, you know, he's the the glory of 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 his land is 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 better than what's been told. He was the richest man in the world. Solomon was. And in all recorded history, and he um, he was he had God he asked God for wisdom to uh, to lead his people, and so there's a lot of stories and instances where he uses godly wisdom to to make some really cool decisions, but then he ends up ultimately making some bad decisions, and like the rest of us, he's um, found in a tight spot where he has to turn to God, and so. So Solomon's a character like this, the good boy, the younger son who picks up the, the, the trade of, of the father. But not very many characters in the Bible pick up the work of God. And not many of the leaders in the Bible are really great men. To be Abraham, you know, a lot of people don't know. They, they're always talking about the good deeds of these people, but they don't talk about the bad deeds. We have to talk about both because both of the characteristics of these people are both our characteristics, you know? And so uh, Abraham had sex with his, his wife's slave to, to have a child, and that child was, um, uh, uh, what's his name? He had, he, before he had Jacob, which is, they reference this story in the Bible. I mean, in that book, in the, I mean, in the movie, sorry. Uh, he uh, he had Isaac, no, Abraham, he had Isaac. And Isaac, 
he was supposed to take, he took Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him. But God said, don't, I know you, I see you can give me your all. And then he, he said, he provided a, a ram, a sacrifice for him. But before that, Abraham didn't believe God would, um, would provide a son for him because he was old and he had sex with his wife's slave. And, and they had a son named Ishmael. And out of Ishmael came the uh, Am Am Amalekites and the Edomites, who ultimately were enslaved by, who ultimately became the Muslims. So, so that's okay. what is. Well, uh, I need you to run that back because that uh, you broke up um, right after you talked started talking about Ishmael. So, so please run that back for me. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael, Ishmael was the son of, of Hagar, who was Sarah's, Sarah's, Abraham's wife, Sarah's slave or concubine or whatever. That not, is like her, her maidservant, her handservant, right? Yeah. Sarah's handservant, Hagar, was pretty much raped by Abraham. And she had a son, Ishmael. Out of Ishmael comes the Amalekites and the, it's a great, it's a great story. So you got Abraham, he has Ishmael, he has Isaac. Isaac ultimately has two sons, Esau and, and Jacob. Jacob steals his brother's blessing. The blessing is a big deal, okay, from the father. That would be like the father passing down the blessing to the older son in the movie. He wanted the older son, remember, wait here. The little boy way here, the older son had to do all the work. Yeah. That's a big deal. Passing down the craft, passing down the calling, the purpose, right? Everything he was trying to give to his oldest son. He wanted his son to have that calling. But the younger son has the calling. And Abraham, and, and then, uh, which Matthew McConaughey quotes later on, he says, my father couldn't uh, kill. What was the son's name, the, the older son? The older in one in the movie. Um, the older real quick. Um, so yeah, the two brothers are uh, Adam and Fenton. Oh, so we have yeah. Adam and Fenton. Well, Adam and who? Fenton. Fenton. Well, I wonder what Fenton means. I don't know. I don't know, uh, you know, if... These are, cool. These are interesting things we should have looked into. But all right, so so Adam was the older one? Uh, there was, well, Adam and Fenton were the two brothers. Okay, so, 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 um, and the dad doesn't kill his son, and his son slays him. Yes. Um, Abraham has one son, Isaac, and Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau ends up going and getting the blessing from Ishmael, his uncle Ishmael in the book of Genesis. And, and Jacob, because Jacob stole his blessing. He ends up marrying his cousin. Esau marries his uncle, his uncle Ishmael's daughter, and out of them, they have the Amalekites. They have several children, but more importantly, they have the Amalekites and the Edomites. 
these two tribes are very important because God is constantly saying, drive them out of the land. Drive them out of the land. And the first people to attack the Israelites when they were delivered out of, out of captivity out of Egypt in the Exodus um, was the Amalekites. They were the first person, people to attack them. And it, they're their cousins, really, in reality, if you look at it. Um, both sides claim Abraham as their father. The, and then Joel prophesies that the Amalekites and the um, Edomites would be going into captivity by the Arab nations, and, and it happens. And then the Arab nations end up taking them over, and then shortly after we have, after Jesus, we have the prophet Muhammad that comes about, and then we have the Muslim nation. So, so they're all related over there. And if you need to know anything about anything, you look to go look, see what's going on in the Middle East. And that'll tell you where we're at in, in the biblical timeline of prophecy and where we're, where we're at in the world in general. So, so <laughs> let us let us move forward then to some of the other things that are happening in the world worth discussing. We've got an asteroid heading towards Earth that is about to hit us sometime before Election Day. Um, we have diseases. We have civil unrest. Yeah. And this is happening all over the world. It's not just in the United States. It's it's everywhere, and it's always been everywhere. Um, do you think that we are in um, biblical end times? I, I think, um, okay, I feel like we are in the, we're in the last week of entering the end times. Like, get it, we're, we're almost at the end times. So I feel like um, we're almost there. In, in Bible prophecy, America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. I don't know if you're aware of that. Wouldn't have guessed. I, did, so, I don't think they knew we were here. Well, there's a lot of stuff that is mentioned in the Bible. You know, like Russia's mentioned in the Bible. China's mentioned in the Bible. Um, there's a lot of different nations that are mentioned in the Bible. U.S. is not one of them. Um, so something is going to happen to where the U.S. is not going to be around no more. And the tribulation happens. The United States is, is, and I, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends are probably going to hate me for saying this. Uh, and I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about like my friends that aren't Christians, but the United States is the largest Christian nation in the world. And I feel like because, because the United States has such a large population of Christians, there is a grace period right now. But if you look at our country right now, it's, it's being, I feel like the church, the modern church today is being judged. And I, I don't know if you've, this is me, man. This is my thinking. I feel like the modern church today is being judged for its apathy and its complacency to not preach the word of God. Okay. How so? 
Well, the, there was there was several trends um, to uh, to pre to to get people to get into the church. So the goal of the Christian is to um, is the Great Commission to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right. That's the main job of the Christian. Uh, so they're making disciples. Disciples is is a short is a shortened is a person that's disciplined in the ways of Jesus, right? So uh, if you're making disciples, just like we have coaches and instructors and teachers that make us disciples of whatever we're following, right? You know, um, so in those practices, you know, whether it be in, in multiple areas, right? Yeah. Um, fitness, science, whatever. People have several different disciplines. In Christianity, we're supposed to be disciplined under the the uh, discipline of studying the word, reading the word, speaking the word, praying, worshiping, and gathering with each other and sharing fellowship. Um, <clears throat> the church started coming up with these like schemes or plots and plans to get more people into the church so they can win more souls. So they want a church to become more uh, easier place for, they call it seeker sensitive churches. Have you heard of that name? No. These are churches that, that you go in there, it's like entertaining. It's, you know, people don't get offended. They go there, they feel good. They get good messages, positive messages, right? Like power of positive thinking. And listen, that's all good and dandy. But in, in the end, that's not going to get people off of heroin. All right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not going to get uh, an abusive husband to stop beating his wife. That's not going to get uh, people to stop cheating on each other. That's not going to get children from being disobedient to their parents. You know, that's not going to get, you know, that's not going to stop murder. Or hatred, you know. This is they—they—they they're, they're, just want people to feel good and positive, and and these are good things, man. These are things that we probably should we should do as Christians anyway. We should speak positively. The Bible says to think on these things that are that are good thoughts, pure thoughts, holy thoughts, kind thoughts. You know, the fruit of the spirit of, is love, patience, gentleness, kindness. You know, meekness, self-control. You know, and, you know, against these, there's no law, and. uh what do you see, bro? Sorry. Um, I was looking up real quick at my heater because I'm realizing this is Alaska and I'm going to need a heater in this room. And uh, oh, is, this, is this your recording room? This is. Here, I'll show you, show you what I'm talking about. Oops, my pluggy pluggies around. There is a heater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a real heater. Um, and a buddy of mine over at Preferred Plumbing and Heating, uh, shout out to Preferred Plumbing and Heating, um, hooked up this heater. And then my kid, when he was living up here, did something with the controller of the heater. And I don't know where that is now. And we are coming into winter. And so I got to figure out what's up with the heater in this room so that I don't freeze to death. For sure. Yeah, it's going to get cold. Yeah, so so the church. I feel like the church is being judged for being 
for letting, uh, for ceasing from preaching the word of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for some reason, I've, I've just recently returned back to the church. And, and I took a, I took a, a break from being at church to go to school and, um, and then to, to train in martial arts, to train an American top team. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it was, it was a really good time, but it was a really sad time, a really struggling time for me. It was hard for my marriage. It was hard on my kids. And, uh, and since we've returned back to Alaska, we've returned back to the church and, um, and God's reignited that fire in me. And, uh, and, and I've, been drawn been drawn closer and closer to God and I had a specific vision that God gave me. I don't know if I told you that. Did I tell you that dream, that vision? Uh you might have, but if you'd like to share it again, please let me know. As long as it doesn't definitely have to do with it definitely with wasn't to go around murdering demons. Okay. Um but it destroying but it was, destroying demons. Destroying. It doesn't it doesn't have that uh, but it, it at the same time, it, it was amazing, man. Bro, I, uh, I had a dream. I had a dream in February, and uh, it was. Hold on, let me, let me fix my phone. Let's see if it does this. No, I don't do that. All right. So I had a dream in February, and it was um, it was crazy because I told everybody at the gym. I told my teenagers at the youth group. I told my, my co-workers at, at the Kanaiti Indian tribe. Um, I told my friends, you know, and, um, and people I know uh, about this dream that I had in February. And, uh, and it started out, the dream was that there was like this um, kind of like buildings everywhere were like burning and on fire and the sky was like black and red and people were being shoved into buildings and there was like police, uh, military police right here, just like with shields, jamming people into buildings and pushing people back and there was chaos and there was looting and there was rioting and there was murder and there was Mad Max era, a very like apocalyptic type thing. Like there was no paved roads, it was all gravel, and um, and it was just like cities everywhere were on fire, and buildings were destroyed, just like you could just see like framework of buildings, and and I and I was trying to find my family, I was frantically trying to connect with them, and I was worried, I was like, hey, you know, I don't have a big family like you, Bill, and I was like terrified, where's my family, and I in this dream, man, it was weird. It, was, it seemed like the dream took forever because I was searching for my family for years. Okay. And I grew old. I grew old and tired. Ew. And my, dude, my beard grew out long and it was scraggly and I was gray and my hair started to kind of grow out. Not as much as I'd like, but it started to grow out. And, and I, I was just tattered, man. I just like was wearing like, just like a, like a poncho made of like a trash bag or something, right? And I, I just had just rags on me, and I had a, like a, a stick, a walking stick, and 
And um, and I walked out into this. It was getting I was getting old, and years went by. I walked out into this huge open area gravel like parking lot, and on the on the outside of the the framework of the of the parking lot were like these mounds of of gravel, like in a gravel pit, like these huge little hills of gravel ranging from like you know 15 feet high on down to like five feet high of gravel all around kind of just closing in this this area and then like these silhouettes of people came up on top of the mounds of gravel all around me and and they were all young men like in their 20s and they had this kind of lord of the flies feel to them and uh and then the, and i just knew you have you been jumped before, Bill? Yep. So you know that feeling when you're about to get attacked uh, by multiple people, and I felt it, and uh, and I was just like, I knew I could not outrun them, but I could do my best. I did horrible. They <laughs> they came in and they attacked me and they like cut me at the side of my leg and at my back, and I was down on my knees, right? And they stretched me out with my arms stretched out. And then this one more person walked out on a high mound, the highest mound there. And he was big, just big, strong human, right? Looked like Tarzan, just long hair flowing. And, and it was just like dark, just like an old Tarzan character looking, you know. And he comes walking down the hill like real machismo, you know, like... Uh, you know, just walking down this this gravel hill, and he's got like just like a loincloth on, and that's it. You know, and uh, and he walks over to me, and and he and he stands over me, and I'm thinking this is it. This guy's gonna kill me. And then his hair kind of is blown out of his face, and then I make eye contact with him, and he's my son Isaac, and but he's a man. He's grown up. And we don't talk, but we have like this kind of psychic moment where we talk with thinking, right? Because it, and um, and he immediately knows that we have to get the family together. That I've been searching all this time. He can see I'm injured because his boys broke me down, and then and he know he knows a place where he has to get me, to get me there. Okay, Bill, stay with me on this. I need you to stay with me on this. Stay right? So. He starts, his friends, they pick me up, his, his team or whatever, and they carry me over to the front of this building. And do you remember the Astrodome, the Houston Astrodome? Yes. Okay, so this is like a big building like that with a big dome over the top. And so he takes me to this big building, and there's guards outside of it. And him and his boys run up, and they easily just take him out, pop, 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 like they kill him. And then they carry me into the building, and then they let me go into the building by myself. I go into the building, and I'm, like, going through, like, these hallways and stuff, and there's people, like, sitting down, and they're in, in rows of chairs in these little rooms, and they have these huge screens of televisions, and these televisions are giving them directions. And I don't know what this has to do. Maybe it'll come later on in, in my life, but uh, have you ever gone to laser tag? Yes. And you know how you sit in the room and you look at the screen, it's giving you directions how to play laser tag mm -hmm. and, and rules on what not to do. And uh, so it's kind of like that, but they're not learning laser tag. I don't know what they're learning. 
And then I go past and I'm kind of sneaking through the halls and I'm bleeding out of my back and my leg and I'm like dying and I'm feeling just like uh, hurt, injured terribly. And then I come to the center of the, the, the complex. The complex is huge. It's like the size of Soldatna. And, uh, and the roof is like one inside, the ceiling is like a light bulb, like one big light bulb, a giant light bulb, but it hasn't turned on yet. And, uh, and in the center is this big open area, and there's these like pods, like people are gonna get laid down to be cryogenically frozen to go into space, right? <laughs> to go to travel light years away, right? So there's these people that are laying them down and they're, they're telling the people, you know, just relax, just, just relax. And I'm leaning against this wall, like kind of peeping out behind this wall in this corner of this wall. And then all of a sudden, all these people are laid down and this big light above us turns on and everybody falls asleep. And I look up and I fall asleep, okay? Hang with me. In the dream, I had a dream. I fell asleep. And I had a dream that I was in a tree and I was a, I was a squirrel. And, and I was running through the tree and I could feel like I was a squirrel. I could feel my heart beating fast like a small mammal. I could feel my claws digging into the tree. I could, um, I could feel the counterbalance of my squirrel tail. And, and I'm running through, jumping from branches and gliding. And I'm, and I, and I'm chasing this one that squirrel in front of me. And it's kind of sword in the stone where he's a squirrel and he's chasing the female squirrel. And, and then I wake up and I'm still in the building and I get up and I look down and I'm like 20 years younger, dude. I'm like, I'm like 20 year old Jason. And if you haven't seen 20 year old Jason, Bill, you're missing a good scene. <laughs> Cause I was jacked when I was 20 and I looked down at myself and I could close my hands fully. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I could feel all my joints and my neck and my spine and my hips and my knees, my ankles and all the way to my toes, my strength came back to my tendons. And I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to destroy. I'm going to do so much uh, destruction. That was what I said. And I was like, ah, like that. And, uh, and then I went outside the building. When I went outside the building, the building was like in a college campus area. And there's like this nice big wide sidewalks with nice green lawn and there's people walking and there's like, you know, it looks really nice. And there's a, and there's a gate. Remember that I had to be snuck into to get into this building, but on the outside of the gate, off in the distance, far, far away, you could see there's destruction still and smoke coming up. But there's a long line of people coming out of the destruction and they're coming to this huge tower. And it, it, this huge tower is like, it looks identical to this, to this um, building called the Tower of Freedom in Miami, where all these Cubans, when they first came to Miami, they put them through the, uh, in 81 in the Marielle. I don't know if you know about that. I've seen Scarface. You've seen Scarface. Thank you. In the tent city under the highways and all that. Leave well, God. Exactly. So, so, they, so they, uh, there's this, the same building, and, but there's tables set up out front. And there's people, this long line is, is line, not single file line. It's a line of families. And the families are being like put back into society. 
and there's these tables and at the tables the people are giving them clothes food work and then there's a lady going from table to table frantically seeing if people are getting help is everybody okay and then when i got closer she looked up and it was my daughter um angelina and then uh and then i woke up all right so that was in february i uh I was having a, a lot of uh, trouble after that because um, we went on a um, youth retreat to Wasilla and I was, I couldn't afford to leave work. I was struggling physically because I, my back was injured and it was just getting worse progressively every day. Um, I would go to work all day from early so to, to the afternoon, and then I teach jujitsu from four to like nine, you know, and then it was, and then I'd come home and then I'd have tried to spend some time with my family and I was just so tired. And uh, so I was missing out on my family. So during that time, I was stressed out and I had to do this youth trip with the, with my youth ministry. And we went up there and we usually rent a B a and as a youth group, and then we go to the to the to the church wherever we're going, and and we and the kids have a good time, and and they do day, daily activities and stuff. And me and my wife were struggling, man. And she was like, "We can't afford to be here." She's like, "They're putting too much on us." And I I was just like, "God, you got to do something, right? You got to do something in my life, man. We're we're struggling for real." And uh, and then we got back, and we didn't get back. Right before, sorry, right before we left at the Kanaiti Indian Tribe, I qualified for full-time benefits. Now, I'm a part-time worker, but for some reason, I qualified for full-time benefits. We went on this retreat. When we came back, because it was spring break, when we came back, COVID uh, lockdown hit. And I'll tell you what, revival came to my home. We, uh, we, now my whole family, we were stuck inside for days on end and we loved it, man. <laughs> we, we were playing board games. We were, we were, we were watching movies. We were praying together. We were singing songs together. We were taking communion together. We started writing scriptures on our walls. We started, uh, um, just having a blast cooking. We cooked bread, so much bread. We baked so much bread. It was something like 16 loaves of bread in two days, and we ate it all. It was, <laughs> we, we did so much phenomenal stuff, man. And um, it was very beautiful. And, and I just qualified for full-time benefits, so I was getting extended sick leave uh, pay because of COVID, so I didn't lose any money. And, uh, and then my, my, my students started bringing me food, lots and lots and lots of food, like, like lots of food. I'm talking about rockfish, halibut, salmon, moose, bison. We, we started getting burgers, steaks. Um, Curtis brought us a a hog that he had butchered. It was just like unending amounts of food. Groceries, boxes of groceries were showing up at our door from like I was Neo, you know what I mean? And it was just like the weirdest, 
It was crazy, man. We started getting so much stuff. My bank account got full. We weren't spending any money. We weren't going anywhere. And we were just like, this is insane. And the rest of the world was in chaos. And I was just resting. And then, um, and then, and then we started doing those sneak little training sessions, you and I and everybody, you know, you know, it just, it just felt awesome. It was like the night the comet hit the earth and it was just us and we got to train together, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then, um, what's it called? Uh, I, 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 my back finally, it was done. And my, it, my desk exploded like a water balloon. I felt it in my back. Okay. You know, I, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, I totally lost almost complete all mobility. And, uh, I got put to sleep by Kelly and, and he was in my guard. I just couldn't move. And it was just like, that doesn't happen. You know, I just had, I was literally like a paraplegic. Like I had no, no hips at all. And, and Kelly, it was, Kelly freaked out. And I looked up at the clock. I said, dude, I got one more minute to submit you. You got lucky. <laughs> and he was like blown away. And he was like, I can't do this no more. And he, it freaked him out. That was the first time he'd ever put anybody to sleep. That was like the 300th time I'd been put to sleep. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, uh, he was kind of startled by that. And I, I mean, whatever. But um, I knew I needed to get some medical help because I, uh, I couldn't move. <laughs> and uh, so, so I went to... So since then, you've had a surgery, uh, you are recuperating, you are doing the things you are supposed to be doing. And... Yeah, let, let me get into the surgery, man. So I went and got an MRI. Have you got an MRI at the hospital? No. So I go into the hospital, right? I have full benefits. I go into the hospital, and I knew the lady at the front desk, Jackie, and she walks me in there. And then I lay down on the on the thing and uh, the the MRI machine. You know, have you ever seen an MRI machine? Uh, I think so. I think maybe it's the like a long table. You lay on it, and it's like a big old donut. It slides you into, and um, and it's a big magnet. And the guy lays me down. So the ceiling in the MRI room in the new building of, of CPH, the River Tower building, the ceiling has this, like, graphic. It's a circle. It has a light shining through it. And it's got a graphic of some sort. And it's a tree. And so it looks like a tree branches are over you as you're looking up. And, and, uh, and I'm laying there like this. And the thing's going into the, to the thing. And the, and the guy... He says, he says to me, he says, just go to sleep. And, and then I'm looking at the tree, and I go, dude, I feel like a squirrel. Because it looks like you're inside of a tree. And when I went into the thing, and the guy said, just go to sleep, it was my vision that I had. And it was like when I went into the, 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 the MRI, I started weeping. And I was like, and it felt like God was saying, I'm carrying you all the way. We're, we're carrying you all the way. We have, like he was saying, I have a job for you to do, and I'm going to fix you. Your body is going to be completely restored. And then, uh, and then my son has given me access to All-American Training Center. Honestly, my son has gotten me in there. Him and his freak show boys that he hangs out with, those guys going there have given me favor with Pete Dickinson. You know? And Pete, me and Pete have been discussing me getting into that building 
um, for a while since I was in the warehouse before Scooter Hackett wrestled with um, Pete Dickinson in college. And, and Scooter was trying to get me connected with him because he's like, Pete's going to build a building and I want you to teach your jujitsu there. And I, and I was like, sweet. But, you know, I got, I got into some things and I have to ease out of them. And I'm not, I'm not a, a jerk, you know? And, I, and, and so I was helping Seth. And a lot of people don't like that I helped Seth. But you know what? Seth needed some help. He's a good guy. I don't care what anybody says. And uh, I really don't care what anybody said. He's a good person. And um, he, needed, he needed to get his name back. And he needed, not that I'm somebody special, but he needed somebody like me to vouch for him. Because this whole, there's so many people that were gossiping about him, you know, and putting him down and talking about him. And, and, and Seth proved to me that he wasn't what they were saying, you know, and I gave him a chance and I helped him get his gym back on its feet, really. And, uh, and so, um, so I've been easing out of that, out of that, out of coaching out of his gym so I can have a chance to coach in all American training center. Um, yeah. So there's that. So the night that I told my testimony about that happening, after I, uh, after I did that, I, um, I stayed after church. This, I, I told the testimony about this, this vision. And I hey, guys. And, and, I, and I, uh, I went to, uh, to get prayer from a guy named Joe Green. Do you know who Joe Green is? Uh, former professional football player, Mean Joe Green. Bit off a guy's fingers, allegedly. No, not that guy. He's cool, too, because he ended up becoming the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. And uh, and he's a great guy, man. I love me, Joe Green. All right. <laughs> not him. It's another Joe Green. And Joe Green, he's a former cop, and he's a parole officer at the um, Kanite Indian Tribe. And he's also a um, spiritual warrior. And he... He, uh, he's, the Lord's gifted him and skilled him in, in, in spiritual warfare, working with demons. So this thing that I was talking about earlier that was assigned to me, attached to me, um, when I became a Christian, when you, became a, when you become a Christian, you have to let go of everything in your life. And that, there was one thing that I didn't let go of, and it was because I didn't know I had, was holding on to it. And it's called a familiar spirit. Have you heard of the word familiar spirit? No, no, please break it down. So this is a spirit that's been attached to you for so long that it starts to take the shape and form of your, it looks like you. And, and it hides behind the look of what you are. And uh, so when people see ghosts and they say, oh, it's a little girl or, you know, is this person or that person? And it looks like a person. Those are familiar spirits because the spirit has made itself I just lost you. I, I lost you. Okay. So the, where'd you lose me at? Um, familiar spirit, um, little girl, familiar spirit, and then you kind of started going out. All right. So 
Okay, I got you. So a, a familiar spirit is is like um uh it's a demon that is assigned to a person and the long and the longer it stays connected to that person, it starts to take the shape and appearance of that person. Um and it, and it takes on the, the characteristics like looking like that person. Vice versa, the person will start to, to behave in the doctrines or teachings of this demon. These are called doctrines of devils. Um, and they're very subtle and they're, they're very like, uh, you don't know it's there. It's kind of like uh, if I was wearing a t-shirt. So this night, I did a thing with this man called, it's called a, a truth encounter. And, and the truth encounter was where he goes back, he does like police work on my spiritual being. And he goes back to the very first, he says, when was the first time that you could remember being traumatized? So I just started talking back in my life. The first time I was traumatized, you know, was very young. I, you know, I was exposed to a lot of darkness, wickedness, a lot of, a lot of sexual stuff in, in, in my family, you know, um, a lot of drunkenness, a lot of drug abuse, uh, a lot of violence. And, and so I've seen a lot of stuff and I experienced a good amount of stuff. Um, so, but usually when I felt that I seen somebody was being not treated correctly. I felt like I needed to punish that person. And this thing, this demon would lie to me and, in, and give me this false sense of empowerment to punish people in a fit, in a fit of rage. Um, and so I hated hurting people because I was a very like sensitive child, like I was delicate and, and gentle, you know, at least I thought I was, you know, I mean, I was athletic, but I was, I was like emotional, you know, like I would cry with movies. I love my mom, you know, I was a sensitive boy, you know, and, uh, but this thing would, I would, I would literally have to like slow down my breathing, close my eyes and let this thing take over my body. And I got so efficient at it that, um, that people thought it was me. And I've had several, several testimonies of people, even my child, my children, my wife, my mom, my sister, my, all my family, my old friends. I've even contacted lots of old friends to ask them about what they thought about my behavior. And, and I told them about this. And they said, yeah, Jason, there were times where it was like your face would go blank and you get in a cold stare and it wasn't you no more, and we'd all be terrified. And it's weird because I'm not a, I'm not a scary person. My daughter's like, you don't scare nobody. And but I've, I was told by these people like this would happen. And, and it was like, I would give into this spirit. Well, this night when I had this meeting with Joe Green and, uh, and his family, they're, they're, they're a group unit that do this. We went through every single moment in my life where um, I was being tempted to give into this spirit. And then even after I became a Christian, 
there were moments where I would start to give into it, but my will was strong enough to resist it, but I'd end up break, causing what was called soul ties, where I'd break relationships off and we would have unforgiveness towards each other and bitterness. And I created this soul tie to where now um, I, every, I, I can't get this person out of my head, right? That's just a whole other thing, soul ties. There's a, there's a lot to this. But um, the more and more me and Joe talked, this thing started becoming manifest on me because I started seeing the truth of it in my life and where it's been manifest. And, and everybody in the room that was there, they started seeing this thing manifest on my face and coming off of my body. And I felt like really cold and I started shaking. And dude, I'm not lying, man. I'm not lying, Bill. Like, like, like steam, like, uh, like when you're cold outside, started like breath, like you can see your breath. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Started, I could see my breath coming out of my mouth and I started getting really cold. And I said, what is happening to me, Joe? And, and Joe was like, he goes, it's a familiar spirit and it looks just like you, Jason. And he looks at his sons. He has two older son, two sons and they're, 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 they're cool kids, and they go, he goes, do you see it? And they were like, yeah, and his wife, and they were kind of like, they wouldn't look at me, but they're like looking at me like, they were like, what the? And then, and and I could, and I was like, I started, my body started to shake, and, uh, and he said, this thing is leaving you today. And so we, we prayed a prayer, and it was such a simple prayer. It was a breakup prayer. And I had to tell this thing that I, I depended on it. I loved it because it was there when I needed it. And it was, dude. There was times in my life where it was like a weapon. And I didn't know it was a demon. It was a weapon that I would use. And I thought it was something like I would dig deep down and I would say stuff like, I just have to give in to the rage. You know, I, just, I was like, I have to surrender to the rage. And I would surrender myself to this thing and then that was when I could torture somebody on the street or whatever it was you know um so when I prayed this prayer and this breakup prayer and I told it to go my told it to go body soul and spirit to get off of my body get off of my soul get off of my spirit in the name of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit See, when we say in the name of Jesus, that's, we claim the name of God and his name is, we're claiming him as, uh, we are his children. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, everything is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Father has our back. He's in the room. He's there with us. And so when I said that and I commanded that thing to leave me, it felt like my shirt was glued onto me and was ripped off my skin. Like I felt my skin being pulled up. It was weird, dude. And it like tore off of me. And then I cried for like two hours and I was like, what is going on? And Joe said to me, he said, man, there's a, there's a boy inside of you that's been hiding. You, your, yourself has been hiding inside of you and it's, and it's letting out and you're healing. So I healed for like days, man. 
just crying and worshiping and loving God for his grace and his mercy. And one thing that happened was flooded memories started coming back to my mind that were being, that were hidden. This demon was hiding these memories of when it was attacking me. You know, I, where I was, where I was attacked. And it doesn't just happen with one demon. The general sends many demons to try to attach to you. And, and whichever one attaches, that's the one. So that I, I, was, I was molested and I forgot about it. I didn't remember it. All of a sudden, these things started coming back to my mind of me being molested as a boy, um, me being uh, lured into weird situations as a young child and a teenager where I totally forgot about it. Like these awkward, a lot of awkward sexual situations where I was in and it was just like this, these demons trying to, 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 to attack me. Um, a lot of drug addiction stuff where I never really got, and th those things never really attached to me. The one that attached to me was the rage. And it was, and, and, and I felt like I could use it as justification to punish those that were hurting lesser people. And, and, and really the one who was being punished was me the whole time. Because when it was happening, I, I hate, I hated to do it. But, but ever since that happened, I haven't had that problem. So one of the problems I had before that, I didn't, I couldn't talk to people about certain things because I felt like if I lost my temper, I would have to punish them for disagreeing with me. I don't know if you understand that, but that sounds sick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, it seems like a, a problem that a lot of people have, but, but rather than it being an actual problem, it seems like an internet problem nowadays. It's, it's in Facebook chat rooms and, and groups where you almost have to punish people for disagreeing with you. That's how you yeah, end up with like six kids to the docks. Yeah, I had to feel, I had to feel it on my knuckles. Do you know what I'm saying? I had to feel the punishment in them. I had to hit them. I had to, I had to, and it didn't matter who they were. It doesn't matter. And, and the thing is, is that, like, say, I couldn't talk to certain people, and I went, I went and I told Seth, I was like, man, I, I could talk to you now. I've been delivered. I don't know if he understood what I was talking about. He probably didn't. I was like, but I couldn't talk to people because if they disagreed with me and if they got angry with me, I felt like they were going to take it to a level of, of uh, crossing the line with me to where I'm not going to argue. I'm going to fight you. And, and now I'm at a point where I'm like, that's not the case. I can talk. I can, I can see what you're saying and I can digest it and then I can respond with whatever I think you're saying and then, and then how I feel about that. You know what I mean? I can have a conversation now. And it sounds crazy, doesn't it, though? A little bit. It sounds a crazy. Bit, a wee bit. But, but it's, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like, this is... Um, Fenton and Adam's dad it had an experience that he couldn't explain, and his job, uh, sent by the angels, um, sent by an angel by a vision, is that he needs to exercise demons. These people needed to feel the the punishment of what they had done previously. Like it was important that 
there was a resolution. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, I got to wrap this up. It's, it's late. Yeah. Time flies. Time fly. It does fly. It does fly. Jason, uh, thank you very, very much for your time. Um, you are, you are one of the guests that I've had that, that people really like to listen to. So, um, by all means, if there's a movie that you feel like we need to watch, let's watch it. Uh, the new Bill and Ted is out now for the rest Did of the world. Bill and Ted 3. Did you watch it? Not yet. Not yet. The goal, as soon as I finish this up, is to go upstairs with the bride and watch it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it is either. Uh, so is that, what is it streaming on? Um, it's streaming on Prime and anywhere you can actually pay for movies. So probably like the PlayStation Store. It's not on Netflix. Um, it's a movie they want to sell you. Yeah, yeah. So it works. Kind of like the new Mulan. Mulan is uh, is going to uh, is going to be for sale on Disney Plus. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. You have a great evening. Thank you for, for watching this movie, and, and thank you for giving me your thoughts and opines. Have a great night, my friend. Sleep well and all that good stuff. Peace. Peace. As always, Woke and Bake slash streaming service and chill would not be possible without the following supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Soldatna, located behind Save You More. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, as well as their website, theironasylumgymak.com. The gym is open 24 hours a day. Personally, I like going in the morning, but we're at the tail end of summer, so I'm going to treat any time of day like the morning. And everyone's going back to school, so maybe the morning will become the morning again. In which case, I'll be there at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And if you want to work out with me, you can do that with me. But I have to give you a heads up. A lot of it is a lot of stretching at this point. I do a lot of stretching. All right, folks. There you go. That's the Iron Asylum. For more information, call 907-953-4720 for more information. Or again, go to their website, their Facebook, or their Instagram page. Next up... Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the growers of fine cannabis, the brewmeisters of hashade, blueberry hashade, strawberry hashade. They also make peanut butter, honey, canna caps, and... 
depending on really, well, not really depending on anything. They make a plethora of concentrates. They make everything from shatter to diamonds to turp sauce to decarb oil. Check out Weed Maps. See what they've got at this particular moment. Now, that's just for their retail operation. If you want to get your hands on anything like their hashade, like their honey sticks, like their can of caps, like their cartridges, decarb oil, diamonds, turp sauce, any of that good stuff, check out your local 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 Alaskan dispensary and see what they've got for you. I'm willing to bet that they've got uh, some Red Run products. If not, demand them. You are a consumer. They want your money. They want you to spend your money in their dispensary. And I'm sure they've got a fine dispensary. But if they don't have Hashade or, or any of the Red Run products, I promise you, they could make themselves a whole lot more respectable in my eyes. Not to say that I don't respect them. If I'm in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, and I need to find a dispensary, I'll take what I can get. But that being said, I do check out Weed Maps, and I do check to see if they carry Red Run products because I am I am a big fan of the Hashades. I am a big fan of the peanut butter, and I am a big fan of the whole flower cartridges. Just me personally. Their website is redruncannabiscompany.com. Uh, you can go to their website. You can see what other stuff they're working up, what uh, what they're working on, and what they're getting ready to distribute. And you can get the the whole ethos of the company. Now, the retail operation. Let me go back to that for a second. They carry edibles from other folks as well. They're not just limited to their stuff. They carry stuff from Lady Grey, Creative Confections. I've seen them with uh, Baked Alaska. By the way, that's General Wart uh, chanting in the background. If you heard that, there was a dog barking. That was my dog. That was Wart because I'm at the house right now. It's that time of year. All right. They also carry in their location uh, Alaskan-made CBD from Frontier CBD. Now, the Misses is a great big fan of the bath bombs, and I think that you might like them yourself if you're into bath bombs. My, uh, me, myself, I'm not a bath bomb person. My wife likes them, and uh, so she uses their CBD bath bombs. All right, we're also brought to you by 10th Planet Soldatna, located inside of the All-American Training Center. Classes start at 7 p.m., and kids' classes also, by the way, start at 7 p.m., and they run concurrent to the adult classes. So if you have kids that are interested in jiu-jitsu and you yourself are interested in uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, you can bring your kid. They can get with Coach Jordan. They can get with Coach Isaac, or they can get with uh, Coach Priscilla, and they can get their jiu-jitsu uh, jiu path started. And you can kind of do it together. You can drill stuff at home together and make that uh, family bonding even better. 10th Planet uh, kids classes are taught by 10th Planet Purple Belt Priscilla Hembroff and the adult classes um, which start at 7 p.m. are run by 10th Planet Black Belt Curtis Hembroff. So there you go. There's no good reason for you to not start. Classes are Monday through Thursday and this is donation based. You pay what you can afford, you pay what you think it is worth, and uh, and they appreciate the love and the support. We're also brought to you by AK-49 Martial Arts slash Bang Muay Thai, located in the Peninsula Center Mall. Kids, uh, kids classes start at 5, the adults classes start at 6. Coaches include BMT Brown Belt Seth Stacy and the Alaska Fighting Championships 135 champion, Victor Rodriguez. For more information, including their current schedule, check out AK-49 Martial Arts on Facebook as well as at AK-49 Martial Arts 
on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the Schnitzel Bomber. Why not? Why wouldn't you? They're located on the corner of K Beach and Poppy. Get yourself some love, mention the podcast, and probably get your hands on some extra french fries. Do not forget their bread pudding. The bread pudding changes every day depending on what Mrs. Johansson decides that she wants to make. Last week, I had a pineapple upside down bread pudding, and it was doggone delicious. I enjoyed it a great deal. I think you would too, unless you don't like pineapple, in which case I got nothing to say for you uh, or to you because you just, you wouldn't like it anyway not mad at you, but if you don't like pineapple, I got nothing for you. But you also probably don't like pineapple on your pizza. Me, myself, don't mind. Don't care. I'll eat a Hawaiian pizza. I'll get down. It took me a little while to get used to the idea of pineapple on pizza, but once I tried it, turns out I enjoy it. All right, ladies, gents, others, thank you so much for your time. Cannabis warning coming up, and we are out. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Have a great, well, whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you so much for listening to this. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.